Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Maylin. Maylin Carol, welcome to the show, Maylin. Really looking forward to our, our conversation today. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. So Maylin's a fellow uh, fellow adoptee, and um, the, the 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 framework for our discussion today is um, one that Maylin Maylin came up with, which is how how do we get to thrive. And um, one of the opening sub themes, or one of the topics with it underneath that umbrella, um, uh, we we came up with was the idea of uh, openness. So, why do you think openness is a, a, an enabler of our thriving? Why, why is that important to you, Melly? That's a great question. Um, so, I think when I think of openness, I think of the opportunity to let things in. Right. So when we're letting things in, we're allowing our brains, our minds, our hearts, our soul, our body to filter things that we work with, that we agree with and to allow it to become part of who we are. When we're closed, we're basically creating a barrier and not allowing anything into what we've already created as um, our mindset. So when we're open, we invite opportunity, we invite choice, we invite options, we invite possibly things that we wouldn't normally be a part of to uh, get us to a point where we can allow our brains to mull over certain decisions, apply what we like, and leave what we don't. Yeah. Do, do you have... Um... Outside a, a nightclub in in um, in the states, right? What do you call those security guards or doormen or what? What's what's the term? That the you... bouncers. Bouncers, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. So yeah, we use that term. That's that that that's the um, uh, that's the term that the colloquial term that we use in the UK. That's an interesting, one, right? Um, so I I heard a great metaphor that you know that that uh, our our beliefs are like. The, the bouncers on our brain um that they're, they're so they're the ones that stop new stuff um new stuff coming in or uh yeah the beliefs the the existing beliefs the the beliefs that have been built up um o- over our lives are what stops us yeah the bouncers i, I love i love the um the the, the clarity of that 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 uh, yeah um, metaphor and for me it, it's like sometimes metaphors um they kind of they disempower us metaphors yeah. because they make things more concrete than they yeah. are you know they, they make things more concrete than now but if we can if we can see our beliefs as bouncers then it, it there's a the, for me there's a there's an inbuilt bit of humor there um, and and ease and normalcy and kind of, it's not this really kind of like heavy, heavy thing. We're saying beliefs are like bouncers. It's a lighter metaphor. Sorry? It's a little more trivial. Yeah. It's a little more trivial. Yeah. It's a, it's a little more trivial. Um, and, and, and hopefully we can have a little bit more fun with it. Right. And, and, right. and if like, so I came up with this idea, I don't, did you, did you see, I, I came up with a, I get a podcast on it. 
Um, I came up with, somebody said to me, an, an Aussie, uh, we, we both know Vin, but a, another Aussie adoptee said to, to, to me, oh, have you, you know, you read the book, you read the book and the body keeps the score. And I went, well, I think I have, but I'm not sure. But it, it, it sounds, the body keeps the score. It sounds quite, it's kind of quite, quite menacing for me. You know, yes. that our, <laughs> our trauma is is sat there in our bodies somewhere uh, and it's waiting to jump out and, and beat us over the head or beat us right. over the heart, right? So I came up with this idea of uh, a, a, another another score, a soccer score, a soccer score, right? And 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 the idea was um, it, it's it's trauma one, trauma one, but adoptees united ten, you know, right? So the, the trauma <laughs> scores first, right? Yeah. It take it, it take it takes um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. It scores for me after after five weeks, you know, when when I was uh, relinquished, but you know, so the, the trauma the trauma scores after after. Um, after, after five weeks, but um, the uh, the together as adoptees united, we can kind of overcome the, right. the trauma, and we can and, and we can win. We can win the game, right? We can win the game. It's so adoptees united nine or ten, but by coming together. And for me, I laughed at it then. So yes, it became it became more trivial it became right. something that i could laugh about rather than right. cry about. Right. Um, right and 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 that for me is uh, uh an opening yes absolutely it's, a, it, it's an opening it's uh, as yeah. yes and and that is a great jumping off point because as we open our minds and reconfigure our brains to our experiences we get to a point in our life where it's not that what we experienced no longer matters. It's that what we experienced doesn't become our whole selves, doesn't take over. And it's interesting you mentioned that. I'm not sure if I can do a plug, but um, I've you been a writer it. for years, for years, years, years. And I look at all the books I have written and they have all gone through a very interesting phase. Book one, you know, here's my life. This is my story. And it includes a little bit of my foster daughter. And then book two, angry book. Like, this is what all the adoptive parents are doing wrong. And based on my experiences, I plug my experiences in and then I give a workbook so that adoptive parents can learn from their experiences and learn how to do better with the adoptee. And then you have book three and then you have book four. And it's just this progress of, wow, my experiences have taken me to a point where now adoption is extremely important in my life, but certain experiences I have had, I can actually look at them and laugh or make a joke or reconfigure my brain as to what actually was happening there. And it's it's beautiful. That's part of the openness. That's part of allowing yourself to kind of reimagine who you are as an adoptee, um, to let people in that you might not normally let in, to gain strength from those who might have a bit more strength than you do. Um, just the vulnerability is there. When you're vulnerable, 
when you're vulnerable, a lot of things can happen. But if you take on the perspective of, I want this to make me thrive, then you're going to be gaining a lot of insight. But when I look at all the writing that I've done, I am now at a point, my last book, The Perks of Being an Adoptee, is actually a book where I am able to look at my experiences, create an understanding, and also create some humor within that understanding. So like you said, it it becomes trivial, not less important. Okay. Wow, there's so much there. There's so much there, Melian. I'm... um... Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. Um, on the on the flip side of this, this morning I I I saw some uh, something uh, online about uh, people be, being vulnerable about adoptees being vulnerable and. What they meant by adoptees, they, what they meant by by vulnerable, as in, um, easy, they meant easily triggered. They mm-hmm. didn't mean open to, to 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 change. So it's an interesting word, this vulnerability. So I I think it's pro- so I I I associate vulnerability with um, kind of sh- sharing your sh one t. Like that's what that's one that's one word that that's one that's probably my um that's the 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 main connotation I have with the word right. vulnerability, um. But this th- this woman um meant uh sensitive and insecure um uh, uh, and you've given it a third a third meaning which is openness um and i I, and i i love that i I love it because i think it's about letting that way is about letting the drawbridge down on the letting the drawbridge down on the castle right Letting the so it, it's allowing stuff in, um, correct. Where whereas I was thinking it's standing at the top of the, it's standing at the top of the, uh, the on the castle walls, out. talking, talking out. out. You mean yep. it? You mean it? Letting in, correct. Yep. Um, and I guess I would be concerned about the other, the the insensitivity. Piece, you know that, that we're at risk you know right. as adoptees we're vulnerable we're at risk um, right and if we're at risk it, it, it's back to the kind of the body keeps the score then so i'm at risk i'm going to be triggered um i'm my my emotions are going to engulf me i'm going to i'm, I'm going to lose my grounding and um, i'm feeling small i'm feeling under threat why is the world against me and you know that, that that take on vulnerability, you know, is a is a is a tricky one. And so you know the cognition, metacognition, right? So no, go for so, it. I don't know. I'm not okay, so 
as a teacher, I've been a teacher for years and um, I love the field. Don't like the parents. <laughs> Kids are great. Parents are, you know, SH1T sometimes. Um, <laughs> but when I think of cognition, it's something, you know, right? So you learn things. You, you've opened your brain to learn information, things from the university or from other people or the universe is coming into your brain and you're grasping it for you and you're going to use it. You're going to find a way to use it so that you can take it and throw it out back out into the universe, like breathing. We breathe in, right? And then we breathe out uh, oxygen, right? Uh, we breathe out carbon monoxide. We breathe in oxygen, right? Um, and if I said that wrong, I apologize. I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but when I think of vulnerability, I think of vulnerability in like several stages. You have a mental vulnerability. All right. Then you have an emotional vulnerability and then you have like a psychological vulnerability. And then you also have like a personal vulnerability. And when, what I'm talking about in the adoption world, the personal vulnerability is more, what can I gain? from opening my mind. It's about me. It's a selfish vulnerability. But the purpose of the selfish vulnerability is to be able to throw out back into the universe what you've learned so that you can help impact other people. And then you have the emotional vulnerability, which is what can I spill out so that the people or the things listening to what I'm sharing can be better? Why am I sharing this? To, to, to take a load off of myself, but also someone's gonna gain some insight. It's not me taking in right now, it's me throwing out. And then you have the psychological vulnerability, which is kind of a combination of both, is a give and take. That's kind of how I see vulnerability. I definitely don't see it as, oh, if you're vulnerable, then you're triggered. I see those as completely two different terms. Being triggered, being vulnerable, being triggered is, for instance, when you think of a newborn baby, they're vulnerable. They're not triggered. The parents are triggered based on the vulnerability of the child, but the child's not triggered because they don't have anything, quote unquote, to be triggered about just yet. They only have their natural responses. They're open to whatever's coming in. Now, as we experience life, certain things can set us off. And that's where the triggered is. And when I think of adoptees and being triggered, I think of adoptees struggling with certain components of their experience that have yet to be harnessed. And it, it and and it um creates a trigger response because either they have not had time to heal in certain areas or, or they're in positions where they can't really leave where they are. There's a lot of reasons that one gets triggered, but it's interesting because I no longer get triggered about things I used to get triggered about years ago. And it's, for me, it's because Adoption has become more trivial to me, still very important in my life, but it's not the guiding force or decision maker anymore for me. Adoption does not decide for me whether I'm going to thrive 
or not? Can I can I um, try something that happened to me today? Because, Absolutely. Um, when you said that um, uh, triggering is 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 um, uncom uncovering something that's yet to be harnessed. Um, so I I um, in let's I, I involve. I involuntarily, uh, so yeah, accidentally, I accidentally caused caused some upset um, in a in a um, in an adoptee Facebook group, and I um, I apologised, and the apology actually uh, poured um, fuel on the flames. And, and, and looking back now, I, I can see that my apology, I did it in a bit of haste and it, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't go far enough. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, a, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great response in hindsight. And the response to, to the, the response to my, to my apology revealed that to me, that, you know, and, and, then um, and and it caused a, a an explosion within within the um, within the uh, fellow adoptee uh, and another adoptee that's in the group. And when I saw there, uh, when I saw their um, explosion, it, it, it triggered me. Um, it caused an explosion within me, so it, I actually felt um, like a, a fight or flight moment within me, because I'm trying to help adoptees, right? <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to trigger them, right? So, like this is this is me at this is this is a part of me, or th my my behaviour has not been congruent with where I want to be um, and and my inner critic is going nuts about this so um so it struck me that there's something here that's there's something within what's going on um you know in the last few hours actually that's yet to be harnessed um so i was wondering if you could give me any uh, pointers on that or a different a different perspective on that so what exactly triggered you the the critic component was that what triggered you would you say what triggered you in that situation you apologize being misunderstood, being misunderstood. Be being misunderstood. Okay. being misunderstood okay okay so we don't have control over how people take what we say we only have control over what we say Right. So that might help redefine being misunderstood because people are going to misunderstand us. We are going to misarticulate. There are things we're going to do that one, we have control over, and two, we don't have control over. We can never control uh, how someone reacts to what we say, we can only control how we react to their reaction. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, I so I'm I can see uh, I can see both sides now. So I, I'm I'm looking down, I'm looking down on the uh, on the uh, on the 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 um, uh, the words on the page, right? I'm I'm looking down, and I can see, um, yes, uh, my words could have been a lot better. And uh, I can also see the fact that she she's been she's at a certain level of security, as, right? As, as well, so I I can I can see I can, that that that's what I that's what I can see. So what I think what I'm getting from you though is that. However well, however well, I, I I could have articulated it. She still could have. Correct. Because so, there's something that's not harnessed in her that created the trigger. There's yeah. something not harnessed in you that triggered you to feel frustrated that you were misunderstood. So once you're able to understand the fact that there's certain things you can control in conversations and there's certain things you can't control in conversations, that should help a little bit with understanding that, all right, let me put this out there. This is you being open. This is them being vulnerable. This is you being open and then it not going as 100% as planned. But understanding that, yes, of course, there's things I could have changed. I'll jot down the notes and I'll make sure that when I see someone who's in a similar vulnerability or similar place, I will rearticulate. Yeah. I can, I don't have to repeat the mistake because I'm open enough to go back and review and take notes and review yeah. the footage. So, um, you use the word frustration. I actually, if if I were to sum up one word, it would actually be rejection. Rejection. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, That's a lot deeper than frustration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I I wasn't. I you know I have had those moments when I think oh you know, but I I think for me is it's taking the learning. It's mm. taking the learning and also in the knowledge that that the, the, the response is never going to be perfect. We, we Which is never... different than rejection, by the way. Yes. Sorry. Does that yeah. make sense? So rejection is a feeling that you felt, which is understandable. But are you being rejected as a person or are you being rejected based on what you are trying to teach? Because I feel like those are two separate things. And I think in the adoptee world, oftentimes we, our feelings become who we are as opposed to just our feelings. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Re I think... 
I, I felt actually this this is a, a massive point, and we're going to get onto it. I, I really want to dig into this: um, the separating of feeling from being. Because for me, I think it's it, it's like the holy grail. Holy grail. Yes. Um, what um, what I felt was that I, I felt really misunderstood and un I felt under it I felt I actually felt under attack um and um one of the things was essentially the the other person asking in a uh, asking for be me to be um, kicked out of the group. Okay, so there's so the rejection. That, that that there was that there was the rejection. That, so that's so the was... physical part. Yeah, there's the physical rejection as opposed to the. Uh, okay. The, okay, so there, there we there, and that's again tied to adoption. There's the physical rejection, right? But then there's also an emotional rejection. So there's. There's emotional and and psychological because you look at the thing you may have said, they didn't take it the way you thought that they would or you hoped that they would. So that's that rejection. But then being kicked out of the group is the physical. We don't want to be removed from a place we may have felt comfortable in because of one mistake. We want another chance, yeah. another perspective. Does that make sense? So it, it, now it it's it's making more sense now where the rejection, the word rejection comes in. So there's frustration because they didn't take what you had said the way you had thought that they would take. So there's the frustration. But then there's the physical rejection that comes along with it. And that's your trigger. Yeah. And if I, as we're explaining this, the uh, as we're breaking it down, which is really useful, um, the um, the the. Uh, the 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 feeling of being misunderstood was way smaller than the mm. feeling of, of the 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 the, the uh, I, I call this when I'm talking about this myself I call it the projection of rejection yeah yeah it's like it's coming from within me you know it, right it's not it's actually not me coming from her she she has so so let's go so that's very useful so let's um let's move on to this separation of fee feeling and being mm. uh, so you said that uh that they're often intertwined i think was the word you use was it well actually they're separate but oftentimes you're right they are intertwined they are technically intertwined because we as a whole have a whole array of um components that make us who we are, right? We're not just a bunch of cells put together, atoms, et cetera. There's so much more to us. Um, and 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 you we sometimes we combine something that actually in reality should be separated. You know, like the brain and the heart, they work together, but they're separate components. Um, and they function for different things, which is interesting because if we separate and we don't acknowledge the separation, that's where, quote unquote, the body keeps score. Because the body will always unite us in our experiences. 
So if we're separating it and not acknowledging the unity that's there, that's where we get the score. Can you, so the the, the body, you said you not, can you say that again in a, in a different way or with a metaphor or something? Um, yeah, so. I, I didn't get this, sorry. So oftentimes, um, you know, when you're disciplining a child, I'm not sure if you've been a lot around a lot of kids, you have kids, right? Um, uh, we don't when, actually, me and my wife now. We've got two dogs, well, have... we did have two dogs, we've got one. Um, and, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you're disciplining the dog even, you know how you feel bad? Like, you know, back in the day, you could spank your kids, a little tap on the bum just as a realization. Sometimes, you know, my son will be acting up and I'll give him a little tap on the bum just to remember, hey, excuse me, don't forget, I'm the boss here. I feel bad about it, but he feels the physical component. So if I don't acknowledge the physical component that was the pat on the bum, his body will always feel that. He'll always feel it. But if I'm able to acknowledge it, we might be able to come to terms with this was an experience where you needed to learn, not just a, oh, she spanked me and there's nothing more to it. So there's my component of, oh, that really hurt. I don't like to discipline my child like that. And there's his component of, oh, I felt that on my bum that hurt. But if you're able to combine it, then you can come to terms with this was an experience for discipline. If you can't combine it, it becomes a, my body's keeping score of everything, every experience I'm having, and we're not being able to talk about it. Does that make a little bit more sense? It's the same like when you're disciplining your, your, your dog. It feels bad to, you know, when they're potty training and you have the newspaper and you smack them on the bum because that's not where they're supposed to go. It feels bad. We don't want to do that. But once we're able to talk to the dog, explain, reiterate, reshow, re-experience, it becomes a whole experience as opposed to two separate experiences. Okay, That's so, what I mean by body keeping score. So, um, the, 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 the body's telling me the truth of how, how I'm feeling as in I'm feeling under threat. I, I'm at yeah, threat, I'm yeah. threat of rejection. And the body's, yeah, the body's telling you that you are, you're having a physical response to a non-physical uh, uh, um, action. Yes. Okay. That's So you're having a physical response to a non-physical thing. You can't touch what you told this person. You can't, you, you might be able to taste it, but you can't smell it. You can't see it. None of that. But you're having a physical response to something that's actually not physical. To something that you can't really control the way they responded, you can't control that. All right? If you don't come to terms with what's occurred and bring it together, your body's always going to remember that physical response okay. with, with no apology. Yeah. So what I'm actually doing, talking it through with you, is I'm separating the I'm coming I, I'm separating the physical response from the emotional response. Correct. Yep. That's so exactly what I'm, I'm doing. and that's what we mean by resolving. 
Is that, yes. is that, is that what you mean by resolving? Yeah, I've never yeah. thought about it in, in those terms. So, but on the whole, so, but, so, but why we're doing this listeners. So we, we started talking about openness uh, and I'm being open rather than the other response could have been, I could have shut down, which I and, and, and blame and, and blamed her. Right. I could have said, okay, well, f- forget about it. She's, um, uh, she's obviously in a really bad space. I did nothing wrong. It's da- uh, this is down on her, right? So that, that that's one response I could have gone. I one could have I could have so I, re- I could have responded in anger. I guess the other response that I could have done before that we'd done this resolution of it is I could have said, "Oh, what's wrong with me? I always do this." Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I could have gone into kind of um uh regression I, a little bit of regression sorry? uh self-blame regression regression yeah so yeah so so, so that, one would be deflection one would be, be regression that's a very useful uh um counterpoint isn't it deflection or regression so deflection means um deflection is it, it, it is is blaming her and, re, and and regression is blaming me right right deflection is attacking her emotional state and then regression is attacking your emotional state either way they're both attacking they're both which attacking. is still not getting to the point which is your visceral visceral reaction to something that you'd had no control over in the beginning. In hindsight, that won't be repeated because now you have, you've opened your mind to how you can improve and how you can actually thrive from that experience. Uh, And and my key learning is from what you said about, uh, uh, my my key learning, you you talked earlier on about um, taking things on board. Uh, What did you say? Oh, you said you used the word grasp. Yeah, so the key learning that I grasped from what you said was no matter how hard I try, Mm. I might be misunderstood. Right. So it's my responsibility to do all I can in the knowledge that however much I do, it may be miss, it may be miss, I may be misunderstood. Right. But misunderstanding isn't the same as um, fighting. Fighting, yeah. Yeah, and you have the impact versus, versus the intent. Your intent was not to harm, but the impact harmed. So it's in learning what the impact was that you become a better person for the next situation. Just because you step on my toe and you didn't step on it hard, it could still hurt. So your intent was never to hurt my toe, but the impact was it still hurt. You can't take away my feeling of it hurting. There's a lot there, huh? There's a lot there, yeah. <laughs> um, people. 
what I'm beginning to see more often, and I do forget it, I think, um, is that the other person very rarely gives uh, a monkey's about our intent. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. And that's what this society has become, if you think about it, right? You think about all the shows that were online that are being canceled. You think about the actors that are saying things that are, you know, potentially racist and they're not meaning it. You, you, the society has become this, this um, platform for uh, PC conversation, but not everything is going to be PC. And like you said, people are starting to not care about the intent. And I think the intent is important, but what's more important is the impact. My intent is to show my son that you cannot stand on the table because you could fall down. The impact is, which I can't control, is you know, potentially him cussing me out at some point. I can't control that impact. But my intent is I don't want you to get hurt. Okay. The impact is he doesn't care, right? And then you just learn that we have become this 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 group of people who are so concerned with um, the way things are said that we tend to forget that in in our intention there's a lot of value. But due to trauma, due to loss, due to whatever these things are they create triggers and those triggers is what sets things off, creates an explosion, whether it's inner explosion or outer explosion. Because a lot of times we implode and part of our implosion is a result of something from the outside that doesn't match up with what's on the inside. Wow, I'm, there's a lot there. Um, you're, um, you deliver with such uh, brevity there's and there's, there's so much packed into it there's like I, I feel I'm gonna have to yeah well I feel I know I'm gonna have to listen to that to again because you you're expressing with uh parsimony is it you you're using real brevity for stuff that's very deep mm, yeah um and uh yeah um, Sometimes it's when what we don't say that becomes the most powerful. There are times that I write a blog and I've talked to my wife about this and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit down, smack this blog out because I just have to get off my chest. And then the blogs that I take time with are less impactful than the blogs that I'm just spitting out. I have more views on blogs that I just you know, I, I, I have a way of writing my blogs that that uh, create a visual for people. And it's just the way that you're going down the line as opposed to using regular straight edge ruled. You kind of move your, your writing left to right, left to right. I kind of do more of a darting, which is how people think anyway. This is why they're able to capture a lot of times what I'm trying to say. And my wife will always say that sometimes it's just when you're just spitting out truths, it's experiences that people have literally on a day-to-day -day basis that are more impactful than a week's worth of insights that you might have uh, to share with your audience. Yeah. Because we do really well with things we can we can relate to in the moment, 
more so than we do well with things we can relate to over a period of time. Yeah. That separation of feeling and being thing. Um, so this is a, an area of uh, fascination for me because um, it, it's, it's a bit like your statements a, a couple of minutes ago. There's such brevity uh, uh, and and such um, kind of kind of I I know this but I don't know this around it. So you know we say I am sad. What we, we, we but we've missed out the word feeling between am and sad. So. Mm our feeling gets mixed up in our being. Mm. Um, and, and when I when I talk about this, I use the distinction. And you've been using distinctions very um, with great clarity throughout the whole of our conversation today. So I think you may appreciate this. Um well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that you do. Uh, so I say, we, we, you know, obviously we, do, we 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 talk a lot about the the primal wound, um, and I say I have felt wounded, but there's a difference between feeling wounded and being wounded, and to me that seems quite profound. But I say it in. I, I can just say that in like in in five seconds, the difference between feeling wounded and being wounded. There is a difference between feeling wounded and being wounded. And to me, it's very profound, but it it often goes straight goes straight past everybody's. It just they just go straight for it. Do do you see a difference between that? Do you see the difference Absolutely. between feeling wounded Absolutely. and being? Okay. Absolutely. So when I think of feeling wounded, it's something that hasn't actually physically affected me. And being wounded is something that physically has affected me. Now, the physical can become emotional. But the emotional often doesn't become the physical. That's kind of how I see it. So it, I fell down the other day with my son. I was wounded. But the after effect of that falling, I still feel wounded because yeah. it's it it became part of my emotions. So she she's talking about she's using a metaphor. She's made she's making the non-physical physical. She's making something that is abstract, concrete. She's making she's putting um she's putting the suit on the invisible man so that we can see the invisible man, right? That's what a metaphor does. It makes something that is non-physical, physical, and then so our brains can get our heads around it. Right, and I think about, um, you know, how when people will tell you from afar, oh, you, you look so beautiful. That's something they're seeing, but doesn't mean I will feel that way. Right. So it's something someone sees versus something that I can feel. 
it's it's third party versus first party. It's it, it's it, it's seen rather than felt. That seen, is correct. Seen rather than felt. So, what? But we talk about this. We talk about this. Um, um, this primal wound. What? What do you think? If if it, clearly it's not a physical wound. Um, so what is wounded if if we were to keep the metaphor going what do you think is wounded i think that's interesting because when i think of i mean i read the book and i yes written by an adoptive parent uh the person they're talking about is a transracial adoptee um who experience a bunch of things. And I think the when you think of the primal wound, I think the primal wound, I think what we're looking at is some kind of deep wound that is about removal, nothing else. Removal from where you were. So you can have the primal wound as a child, you can have the primal wound as a teenager, you can have the primal wound as a young adult, as an adult, as an older person, as someone who's about to pass away. Because I feel like it's removal. Okay. That's how I see that. And removal from something that wasn't supposed to be that way, in that manner. You're not supposed to be removed from said person, said thing, said idea, said thought process. So one, it could be a physical thing, but it could be an emotional thing too. I think in the primal room, you have a physical thing yeah, and you also have an emotional thing. Okay. So I think those who are not adopted can also experience the primal wound. It just might not be a physical thing. Okay. So if we stay with the physical thing, you could say, well, cutting the umbilical cord is, is, is the the act of separation and, and, and re removal, you know, so you could say, well, it's the act of separation. And then, you know, if you're in, if you're in hospital, then sometimes, you know, they'll take the, they'll take the baby away and put the baby in an incubator or something like if you're, if you're, um, um, if it's premature on the baby. So you've got that the physical separation. So what we're talking about here is more, it, it's a, it's an emotional, it's emotional separation. Um, the way, the, the way I kind of see it at the moment is what's wounded is our uh, our feelings when we think about it, uh, you know, like that, uh, our, well, yeah, our feelings when we think about it and even when we're not, not thinking about it because we are, um, we've got some, some conscious stuff going on, on around there, some, some conscious feelings of being removed. That's definitely a thing. But as we've already said, our feelings aren't who we are. But but we we get them we get ourselves confused with our with our feelings. Our feelings aren't who we are. Absolutely, um, it's part of us, but it's not our whole selves. Um, and I think I like how you talked about the physical separation. So therefore, everyone experiences it, right? Because you have the umbilical cord separation. Um, but our feelings, it, it, oftentimes, okay, oftentimes we create trauma where there isn't any. Right. And we've as adoptees, we've seen this everywhere. 
we've seen people say, oh, you are not out of the fog or you are not this or you are not that or you have not done this or how could you not think that way? We're kind of pushing our trauma onto others so that they can create and feel a certain way. So in doing that, we it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We create trauma where there isn't any. Now, instead of meeting people where they're at, we try and bring them to where we are at. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to take into consideration. Wow. wow. That is so profound. And I say this because I've done it. And part of my growth as an adoptee and part of my desire and my, let's say, my now thriving mentality is to move away from that. Because we want, we relate best to people who have had similar experiences that we have had, right? That's why we get into the groups so that we can collaborate, so that we can figure out, oh, okay, you had this trauma. Okay, I had this trauma. Okay, we can talk, we can relate to each other. At times we try to up our traumas to see who has the most trauma, who's mostly affected, et cetera. But too often, especially in the adoptee group or especially in groups where there's so much trauma and abuse, we try and bring people to that stage instead of meeting people in the stage that they're at, which is, and I'm going to say this, which is why people are triggered because they're not ready to be here. They're still here. And I have made a concerted effort <laughs> to bring myself to a position where I'm trying to just meet people where they are at including adoptive parents. I work with adoptive parents. You know that I am an adoptive parent, ironically. And I don't shame. I don't try and tell them that, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. I literally just say, you know what? It's going to keep happening. The best I can do is educate. And I think that's where we lose our openness is when we're, when we're trying to drag people into our doom in a way, because sometimes we're more comfortable being in it than open ourselves up to, wait a second, they're not here just yet. Oh crap, I said something that hurt them. I'm gonna apologize. I'm gonna understand and, and articulate that my apology, and then I'm gonna move on. Because if I stay in one place, then I'm not thriving. Staying in one place is not thriving. Thriving is, it, thriving is an active verb. You thrive, there's your noun. But if you're thriving, you're actively doing it on a daily basis. Therefore, you cannot stay in one place ever. And I'm talking about mentally, not talking about physically. I'm not talking about really, I mean, I, I'm talking about mentally and emotionally. You should always be uh, searching for that opportunity to thrive on a daily basis. That's where you keep yourself open. Fantastic. Well, you've definitely um, helped me uh, move forward today. I'm glad I could do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so where should people find out more about you? 
and your books? Uh, well, I um, I don't know if this will be in the show notes. I'm assuming yeah, it, it will it be. Will but... be. I, I will uh, write it down in the show notes, but um, yeah. Perfect. So lulu.com, you have uh, you can find all of my writing pieces there. I do have a blog. Um, uh, it's called so life goes on.com. I have to double check it to make sure it's actually up and running because after having a baby, everything just kind of went by the wayside. <laughs> um, and then uh, through Amazon, you yeah. can find my writing. My author name is May Claire, M A E space C L A I R E. Okay, okay. So, thank you very much, Maylin. That's been um, that's been great. I really, uh, really enjoyed that, and um, hopefully, you have enjoyed it too, listeners. Um, and I, I, I do say this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. People say, "Well, how do I do this? How do I um, have insights? How do I stay open?" And the good news is. Listeners, you have been doing it for the last hour. That's what you have done. You have opened yourself up. You have not been, uh, yeah, <laughs> you have been intentionally moving forward uh, and moving towards thriving, as Maylin said. You are doing this already. So I would encourage you to do more of the same. Um and I don't usually do the do the plug and stuff, but yeah, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast so you keep on getting these. Um, and uh, and if you want to do, uh, share the podcast with your friends. If you want to do it, if you want to like the podcast and put a comment on it, it'll help more adoptees find it. And um, together, as we say, adoptees one. Trauma, sorry, uh, <laughs> Trauma One, Adoptees United 10. Thank you very much, Melin. Thank you, um, listeners. And um, just before I finish, actually, is there anything that you'd like to share, Melin, before I. No, I really like what you said. I love how you end it, you know, <laughs> um, Trauma One, Adoptees 10. I love it because it really is about the tribe. Okay. It really is about the tribe. And just like Simon mentioned, if you want to continue to thrive, you continue to keep yourself open by subscribing to, to podcasts like these, by putting yourself in positions you wouldn't normally put yourself in, because that's how you learn and that's how you're fo forced to be open. Brilliant. So thank, thank you very you, much, Thank you, listeners. Thank you. We will speak to you very soon. Bye-bye.